This that gentleman, 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 yeah. This that gentleman, 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 gentleman. Start like 23. Just that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Two four like OV. Just that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Shoot my shot, dance This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Right around swung my trees. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Sunlight twenty three. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Two four like OV. Just that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Shoot my shot, dance This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Right around swung my trees. Falling the news like Kobe. I'm the greatest ever do it, they don't know it. Straight from the streets where the shots came blowing. I came from the bottom where they hate to see you blow. Mama always told me I'm a shine, so I glow. I came from the block where I stood ten toes. Came a long way, now I'm on the top floor. Welcome to Turtle's Take. It's Friday night's hottest show. Me, Turtle, and my co-host, Tarble. What's up, brother? How we doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Got a lot of news here breaking over the last few days in the Chicago sports world. So we got a heck of a show lined up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. It's been a wild 48 hours around here. Absolutely. You want to go ahead and tell our guests what we got lined up for them tonight, Vince? Absolutely. So we got former Chicago Bear offensive lineman Steve Edwards. And we have Chicago legendary sports reporter David Schuster. We got both of those guys joining us. Uh, Steve, we're going to touch on some Bears, obviously. And we got to talk with David about how crazy the Bulls have been over the last four years. I can't wait to talk Bulls. I'm sure. I know you were hot on those trades all day. Oh, man. I just couldn't get enough of it. You know, it's just so rare. You know, and I hate to compare it to this, but the only thing I compare it to is the day that the news broke the Bears traded for Jay Cutler. Because at the time, everybody thought, oh, my God, Jay Cutler. But now it's just, yeah. you know, or, I'm, you know, even better. Let me, I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. Khalil Mack. When the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, that's what yesterday was that's like. Fair, yeah. You, you know, you heard that there was going to be trades. We thought we've talked about it on this show with many guests. And between ourselves, we thought maybe it's Lonzo Ball. Maybe it's a role player. Maybe they are only our sellers because we're setting up for next year. But to hear that, and early in the deadline yesterday, to hear that not only did they make a move, but they made a move for probably the best player that got moved yesterday and a, maybe a top five center in the league, that's just not something we're used to as Chicago fans. No, definitely not, especially over the last few years. Uh, I mean, man, the the chemistry that AK and Billy Donovan have and the execution that we got there yesterday was tremendous. I've very happy with the way that things played out yesterday, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the Bears have been hot at it and other, you know, other NFL moves too. The two big trades today by Miami and uh, receivers not wanting to go to Baltimore, although I just heard a few minutes ago it sounds like Sammy Watkins went to, went to Baltimore, so that's a little bit of breaking news that he wound up signing there, but, you know, they had a couple receivers turning them down and take less money to go elsewhere, so – 
you know, maybe that's something. Maybe guys right. don't want to play with Lamar. I'm not sure what happened there, but it sounds like they got themselves one. Yeah, I think maybe there's some chemistry issues there with Lamar and the receivers. Uh, as far as Sammy signing, it's a solid signing. They got him for a year, so we'll see well, you what know, they, they had to do with a good target. They did have to go get somebody. I mean, they lack depth in the receiver position over there. Yeah, I thought it was a very natural fit. Would have been like a Will Fuller or somebody like that. You know, one of the top, you know, Kenny Galladay, one of the top receivers. Right. But, you know, they, the report came out that Smith Schuster and T.Y. Hilton both took less money than Baltimore offered to stay with the teams they were at. So that's something to monitor going yeah. forward. It makes you wonder what the hesitation is in the destination. Well, you know, when he doesn't, when Lamar doesn't put up big passing numbers, who wants to go there as a receiver and risk having just a, a mediocre season, especially right now when everybody, or not everybody, but a lot of guys are on one year cap friendly deals because the cap was stayed the same this year, went down a little bit, and you're talking about it skyrocketing the next two years. So you, you have a good year this year, you, you take a little less money. And let's be honest, we're talking less money. They're still making more than most of us are ever going right. to make in our lives. They're still making it for that one year. But they're gonna have a they have a big year, a career year. They cash in when guys are getting paid double what they normally get paid. So, yeah, it's gonna be a prove it year for a lot of guys in the NFL this year for sure. So, yeah, you know, and I, I think it's gonna be prove it year for a lot of sports. You know, it it could only you can only take from the owners so much, and with no fans, you know, a lot of uh, you know the NBA last year played at the bubble, so you didn't even have the home games or the advertising or stuff like that. I mean, you know, the owners lose out on money. I, I get it. You know, a lot of people like to scream, well, you know, the owners, they shouldn't care. They're billionaires. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you still want to make a profit. If you're losing money, then, you know, and with COVID, with everything to close down, you've got, you know, um, team owners that not only are they losing money from this, but they're losing money from their regular businesses, too, that fund these teams. Right. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, I do agree with you. But at the same time, I think – the owners have enough that they have enough money to spread around, I should say. And don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely, they do. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, from a business perspective, you always want to make a profit. But at the end of the day, too, is it worth it to keep your players happy? And, you know, you got to have that balance. So, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so you know a lot of a lot of cool things. You know the the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know they resigned Leonard Fournette today. So there's just been a lot of a lot of stuff going on the last 24 to 48 hours. And you know everybody's still. Every time I think this Andy Dalton thing has calmed down, it erupts again. And you know they have. Uh, yeah. What was it? The 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 tweet the other day, QB one, and everybody lost their mind about it. I heard Greeny talking about it, and he was judging and saying, oh my, oh, my God, how could you do that? I mean, it's just the social media department. They don't – it's not like Matt Nagy was on Twitter and was like, oh, here's my depth chart. That's QB1. Right. They The social media team was definitely taking a lot of heat over that post. And then I saw some pictures were posted of him, uh, like, sparring in some boxing gloves. I saw and that. I thought that was I thought that was a little silly, but at the yeah. end of the day, he's as they've said, as they've publicly said, he's the QB one, whether we like it or not, as of now. So yeah, they're gonna I mean, you know, they're I, gonna I promote think, him as such. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the social media, they're just doing their job. You know, they're they're getting the new acquisition. They're getting him out there, the new quarterback. They're getting his, you know, him sparring and him being around Chicago and him at Hellas Hall. And it's like, I, you know, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Like I said, it's not Matt right. Nagy and Ryan Pace out there. Like, hey, let's put this on there. Let's put that on there. Well, the word collaboration wasn't used in the post, so it definitely wasn't Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace. <laughs> yeah, if it was Ryan Pace, it would have started with collaboration. So we got our guy Fat Mike here in the chat saying Andy Dalton is the perfect quarterback to fail. That's good. You know I what? hope they suck and they get a high pick. Fire Nagy and Pace after the season. I will tell you, this absolutely grinds my gears. It absolutely grinds my gears when fans, supposed fans of teams are like, you know what? I hope they suck this year. You know what I hope? I hope they surprise everybody and they, they go 12 and 5 or 12 and 4, depending on 16 or 70. Win 12 games, win 13 games. They surprise everybody and the defense gets back to what it was and they start dominating again. I don't ever hope that the team loses just so we get a high draft pick. And why would you hope they have a high draft pick anyways? What has Ryan Pace done that makes you think that he's going to do anything right with a first-round pick anyways? I do understand what you're saying. I do. I get the logic from both sides. It's one of those where going 8-8 eight and eight gets you nowhere. You don't want to be that middle-of-the-pack team. You want to see some progress. So if you have a little bit better record than that, it's a justifiable season. But if you win six games, that's doing nothing to help improve this franchise going forward either. So, yeah, I mean, you, you know see- what? Maybe, maybe if the Bears have a high draft pick, they could, they could trade it for like a, a couple fourth round picks because, uh, you know, they don't have a fourth, and Ryan Pace seems to really be able to nail them fourth round picks. I think Adrian Amos was a fourth round pick. I think Eddie Jackson was either a third or fourth round pick. You know, maybe we can just bypass the first round because he doesn't seem to do very well in the first round anyways. That That is actually a spot-on claim with Pace. He's not drafted anyone in the first round that's been decent. And it's so odd that he's had success in these later rounds and hasn't been able to put it together in the first round where that pick matters the most. I mean, moving up a spot to draft Mitchell Trubisky was – arguably and will arguably be one of the the dumbest draft day decisions of this era so it'll be interesting to see what he does do with the pick at 20 and what he does with future first round picks uh our guy angelo did say in the chat that he thinks pace and Nagy will be here for three more years i think they'll be here more than that i don't i don't think the <laughs> mccaskey i don't think the ted Phillips. i don't think anybody's going anywhere I don't think that they have any interest in replacing Ryan Pace. Everything you hear from the people who, you know, know what's going on and from people who talk to people who matter at Hallis Hall, they've said they, there's, they've got no indication that they would like to get rid of Ryan Pace at all. He could, they could have right. eight and eight, seven and nine, and he's still going to be here. They don't, they don't want to replace him. They don't, they don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing, you know, and unfortunately the Trubisky fail is, so on level because not only was Trubisky that bad now not here anymore, but the two guys that you passed up that you had to trade up to not get stuck with, both seem like they're generational talents. You know, Mahomes for sure, and Watson is, you know, he's not Mahomes, but he's damn good. And I take him every day of the week and twice on Sundays compared to what the Bears been trotting out there. So unfortunately, we get to see that. 
all the time. And, you know, it is what it is. The Bears are who they are. They're exactly who they've always been. Ted Phillips isn't going anywhere. He's a money guy. They they trust him to count the money and make sure that everybody's putting the money back in a safe at the end of the night. And he's going to do that every night. Uh, Ryan Pace is going to run football. And no wonder they're not going to replace Ryan Pace. If they replace Ryan Pace, you now have to go get not only a GM, but a president of football operations. They don't have that. Every, everything runs through Ryan Pace. And now their favorite word, collaboration, runs through Matt Nagy as well. Right. Exactly, Fat Mike. They are who we thought they were. Yeah. You know, honestly, I touched on it a couple times. I think that it all needs to start from the top. I think they need to move on from Ted Phillips and restructure down. But realistically, you're right. They've shown no indication of wanting to make that happen. Uh, They said at the end of the year presser that they want to see progress next season. Well, what do you define progress as? Because right, and they're going to decide what progress is. There's no benchmark that says, "Well, if you hit this level, you've progressed, and now you get to stay." And they told right. you everything you need to know in that press conference when they asked Ryan Pace flat out, "How many? How long is your contract left?" And he said, "Well, we're not going to get into that." Well, it's public knowledge it was supposed to be one year. So if it's not only right. one year, have they already given him an extension? Have they just not told anybody that? Well, we actually gave him a three-year extension already, so he's got four years left. That is, that's a very Bears move. It's definitely something that I could see them doing. You know, that's one thing that's always irritated me with uh, the management structure of the Bears is they're totally not the opposite of transparent. I mean, they won't even give you a little bit of something that's unrelated to the game of football. You're not giving away any trade secrets by saying we extended our general manager or we extended our coach. Who cares? Why is that such a big secret? Why is there so much smoke and mirrors in this organization? Because that they all think they're the crazy. smartest guy in the room. That's but, why we got stuck with Trubisky in the first place, because Matt or Ryan Pace felt he knew better than everybody else. Well, everybody was running to look at Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And he said early on, I've got my guy. I've got Mitchell Trubisky. I'm going to draft him. I'm going to be smarter than everybody else. And it blew up in his face. But at the end of the day, what did it cost them? Okay, so the Bears have been bad in the last few years. He still got paid. He didn't lose any money. He, you know, he didn't lose anything. He still is running around like he's the best GM in football. But you see a GM right. like like Miami has, and what they did today, and we'll talk about that more later. But you know, there's moves out there to be made if you're creative enough to do them and smart enough to make those moves. Yes, and that's that's where we focus so much on being secretive and trying to be smarter than, you know, every other team in football. It just ends up making the bears look like they haven't done their homework. They haven't done their due diligence. I mean, you didn't even look at Deshaun Watson. You didn't even show interest in Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong. Mitch Trubisky was the number one quarterback that year on a lot of people's draft boards. I mean, that's the reality of the situation, but, you got to do your due diligence and at least look at – there's no reason they didn't look at the top five guys in that draft. The thing is when you go to Patrick Mahomes' pro day and you see him perform and then never follow up and you never go to Deshaun Watson's pro, pro day, even when your head coach at the time, John Fox, is telling you that's the guy that he wants, that's the guy who 
he thinks right. is the best for the team. You completely ignore that and you decide to be all in on Mitchell Trubisky. You give every other team in the league a pass. No one has to answer for that except for you. Everyone else could be like, well, yeah, we might be on our board, but you know what? We we definitely were going to go Mahomes. We definitely were going to go Watson. They could all say that now. Look at our guy, Angelo Mitch for MVP. No, no, no. That's MVP, MVP. the Nickelodeon valuable player. Yeah. You know, and there's so many Mitch truthers out there still that are just, I don't get me wrong. I wish nothing but the best for him, but I think we've seen I the don't, best quarterback. I don't wish him. I don't wish him the best at all. I don't wish him the best at all. I hope he goes to Buffalo. He never sees the field. And I hope you know what? Actually, I change. I hope they does see the field. I hope Buffalo people out or gets blown out. I don't really care if they would not. I just don't want to see anybody hurt. So not for an injury. But I hope they either blow people out or they're being blown out. They put Mitch in, and he's absolutely garbage. Because I'm so tired of all these people talking about, well, Mitch didn't get good enough coaching, and Mitch didn't get a fair enough shot, and all this stuff about Mitch and Mitch this, Mitch that. Talk about, oh, he makes these deep throws, everything. I just, I don't know. I just, I hope he falls on his face and he's out of the league in three years. We got uh, our guy Tyler saying Mitch might be better than the Red Rocket. I think he's referring to Andy Dalton, obviously, there. I I think if Do you Andy see Dalton what Fat Mike started. Do you see what Fat Mike is on? I love Fat Mike. That's our boy. Do you see what he started? It's the Red Rifle. It's the Red Rifle, everybody. Leave the man alone. He hasn't even thrown a pass yet. That's I'm I've calmed down a little bit since we talked last week. I think you gotta you do have to give the man a chance. He may be able to do just enough to manage the game. If he has a good run game, he can be successful in the past. So We'll we'll see what happens here. Yeah, you know it's it is what it is. People are going to be upset. People are going to make their mind up, and all it's going to the only way it's going to change is he goes out there and he makes plays. Um, hopefully, they get him some guys to make plays that he can make the plays with, and you know, like I said, hopefully they surprise us and they win twelve games. Yeah, realistically, that would be the best case scenario, but I don't have high hopes. I think. Uh, you've got a little bit more faith in Nagy as a coach than I do, so it's definitely it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens here the first few weeks. Yeah, you know, I just I just don't think he's been given a fair enough chance. You know, if if you if I bring you in because what you do better than anybody that was available was you work with quarterbacks and you can call offense, which obviously is dictated by the quarterback play. And then I give you a lame duck quarterback that is incapable of running a pro offense. How are you supposed to look good? And I'm not saying that it was all Mitch. We're going to find out. We're going to find, because they're going to get a quarterback, whether it's Dalton this year and somebody next year, whether they, they make some move and they get a quarterback this year, we're going to find out they're going to get a quarterback and Matt Nagy, his feet are then going to be put to the fire and he's going to have to show that he can take a quarterback that he selects and make him better and make him progress and make him run the offense and run the offense at a high level. And if he can't, then he'll be out of here too. And the revolving door will continue in Chicago. That it will. Our guy Angelo here saying, give Nagy two years with a quarterback he can actually draft and then evaluate him. Pace is showing Absolutely. He's a 
Absolutely. I do, I do understand the logic, but at the end of the day, you have to coach to your players' strengths, and that's not something we've seen Matt Nagy do. That's what concerns me. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, everybody who all their claims about the Bears' offense are absolutely right. You know, there's there's not a lot for me to hang my hat on to say that Matt Nagy's a good coach. It's really just a. Uh, it might just be a the the Bear fan in me hoping that that's what it is, and all of a sudden we're going to see a completely different offense with you know Allen Robinson back and uh, Mooney taking the next steps, and hopefully I never see Anthony Miller again. Um, or Tariq Cohen in you. And I just, Fat Mike says it's the meathead in me. I don't think it's a meathead thing. I think it's just, there. It, there is a possibility. Like, teams surprise people all the time. And they have years that nobody saw coming. Why can't it be the Bears? Why can't it? Why can't this be the year that they just are better than we thought they were going to be? You know, you look at everything and other teams have done it in other sports and different things. And, uh, you know, they just surprise you and they play way better than you think it's been. That's our guy Mike saying because it's been 35 years. It it has been a long time since we've had a really elite level Bears squad. So, I it's hard to be optimistic sometimes. It really is. But you're a little bit more you know, um, glass half full than I am in this case. I definitely am, and you know I'm hoping to get a little backup here, and it could backfire. He might agree with you guys and tell me that you know what I don't know what I'm talking about, and the Bears are gonna barely win a game this year, but. We're going to bring on our guy here, our, our first guest of the night, big Steve Edwards, former offensive lineman from the Chicago Bears. What's going on, fellas? How's it going? How you What's doing, up, Steve? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just uh, just chilling out on this Friday night, man. Uh, sorry, I was running a little behind schedule, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no on. problem. No worries yeah. at all, man. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Oh, no problem. No problem at all, man. Yeah, so Steve, you know the 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 popular thing right now is everybody talking about Andy Dalton and where the Bears are headed. Um, you know, but we'd love to hear your story before you get into it. Let me just ask you, what do you think of Andy Dalton? What do you think of the direction the Bears are headed right now? <laughs> Let's start off with a laugh, huh? Uh, um, I, I mean, let, let's be honest. This is not where we want to be um, as as an organization um with Andy Dalton uh I think I think the initial reaction has not been good because you know we we know what we want around here we need a quarterback we need a franchise quarterback and it's just been um you know especially in my four years we haven't had anything you know uh solid at that position you know um you, you point at Rex Grossman's of the world um Kyle Orton's and you know, those are your solid quarterbacks. You know, you go back to Jim McMahon, you know, uh, the 85 Bears. And, you know, you know, and, and Jim McMahon, was, he, he was part of a legendary team, but he was supported by a great team. So we never had that guy ever in, in the franchise history. So we're clamoring for somebody like that. And, you know, we had our we had color who had the talent, but just didn't have the mental uh, you know, he didn't have that want to. He didn't want to be great. Right. You know what I mean? He had all the talent in the world, you know. Um, but 
here, here we are, you know, we're, we, you know, we talk about, we had opportunities, you know, we can, I'm sure we can just hammer that with, you know, until the cows come home with uh, Deshaun Watson and McHolmes and that opportunity missed. You get Miss Trubisky. Now you ship Miss Trubisky up out of here. You don't want him anymore. Well, like, okay, bet. What are we going to do? Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. We knew we couldn't get that Deshaun Watson deal. I mean, it was too much. You would have to give up, and we don't have the capital to give give up. Uh, Russell Wilson, it, it was in the ballpark. It was actually, you know, yeah, we would have to get up basically everything, but um, we we wanted that. I think everybody in the city was like, we didn't care. We want that. We, I mean, right? It, it, you know, we don't care what the team, the future is going to look like. We, we got a quarterback finally, and that's something people saying that could happen. But dust settles. And we signed Andy Dalton, and here we are. And I think the word we was just like, "What again?" So you telling us, you know, we got like a, a a Nick Foles type of guy. You know what I mean? He's like Nick Foles. He's you know a little bit you know better upgrade than Glennon. You know, Mike Glennon. It's like these type of quarterbacks. Now I think some people are supporting like Andy Dalton is not that bad of a quarterback. He, yeah, he's not, but. You know, I think some people are looking at it and it's like, okay, calm down. This is what it is. And I've kind of gotten to that. I'm like, okay, what? let's see what he does good. You know, he has some great times in Cincinnati, but that's not going to cut it, man. But we're going to have to live with it. We'll have to see what they're going to do in the draft. That's my biggest thing is what they're going to do in the draft. Can we get a quarterback in the draft? Are we going to move up? Can we get a Mac Jones? You know, uh, that's how you make me feel better about going into next year. Can we get that quarterback? Um and all these quarterbacks look good. And guess what? We're probably not. We're probably not going to get in the position. You, you see all these teams willing and dealing, moving draft picks. To, you know, uh, and it's like we just are just a, uh, just a million steps behind on everybody else in the league as they make these moves. We're just sitting back. and You know, Tampa, they're signing everybody back. How are they, you know – Cap yeah, help. They signed everyone back. Yeah. So that was my rant. I just went on a huge rant. I'm sorry, <laughs> but man, no, you're no, no you're problem. Good. No problem at all. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's a mess right now, man. Because you know you just kind of look at everything and people. Uh, I'm around. They're always asking me, "What do you think about the Bears?" I just say it's a mess right now. You know, we don't. We know we're just gonna have to see what happens at this point. I'm just like I. We got to just take one step at a time. Let's see what they do in the draft. Nothing. Okay. Well, it's just you know, it's what. Then you get rid of Kyle Fuller. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I definitely understand that. Uh, before we get into some questions, Steve, do you want to give us a little bit of a backstory, maybe for some of our younger viewers that weren't able to watch you when you were playing with the Bears? Uh, give us a little little bit of history about yourself. Uh, well, I came uh Chicago kid, Southside, born and raised. Uh, went to Mar Carmel High School, the almighty Mar Carmel. Uh, and I'm going to eventually, I, I will talk about my college story, but that's a long story. I end up basically came out of University of Central Florida, UCF. Uh, went undrafted uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles, spent uh, like four games on practice squad, and then the Bears came sign me to their 53-man roster. The next season, I end up starting uh, all 16 games for the Bears at left guard. Uh, next year, I started eight games and pretty much made appearances 
in all the games in the substitute capacity until they gave me the starting role again. And then um, next year I was a backup. So I spent four years with the Bears. Uh, I spent a season with the Giants. And um, and I got hurt with the Ravens, but that was counted as a season. So And then after that, um, I had an arena career, you know, with Arizona Rattlers, uh, Philadelphia Soul for a little second. Um, and, and ultimately in 2013, I ended my career back home with the Chicago Rush. Okay. That's a very, very dynamic career going uh, definitely from team to team and then going into the arena league like that. That's it's a lot of adaptability. Our guy Fat Mike here in the chat's asking, uh, you played both left and right guard with the Bears. Uh, how hard was that adjustment being in that fill-the-gap type role? Uh, give us a feeling of how difficult that was, how hard it is. Um, you know, it, it, it became second nature, man. I think I just I just accepted the role. You know, I accepted being versatile. You know, I, I, was, I was a tackle uh, naturally, you know, through high school, right. college, even when I entered the pros, but, you know, they, they saw me as a guy who can play guard and, um, and I had to play guard on the fly, you know, uh, my, that next year that I end up starting after my rookie year, uh, all into training camp, I was battling, uh, Aaron Gibson at the right tackle. Colum- Mark Colombo was hurt. Uh, it was me and Aaron Gibson battling, battling. They let big cat Williams go and the, 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 the move was to make Mark Colombo the guy, but his injury had, you know, not healed. And so it was me and Aaron Gibson. Aaron Gibson won. Uh, he had a little more experience than me. They wanted to go with the more experienced guy. But I, I pretty much showed out. I mean, I balled it, but they went with the experienced guy. Uh, Rex Tucker gets hurt. Um, that last preseason game, you know, back in then, like, they don't do like it now. Everybody sits out. I think they – Gave like the first team the last reps of you know the you know first series and he got hurt on the first series and I remember there was a couple guys who played guard that were in line to play you know take that spot so going into that first week we're going to we're going against San Francisco I'm on the training table getting pre- take for practice thinking you know okay I'm the swing tackle backup tackle um, and uh, Bob Wiley our offensive line coach came up to me was like hey. You're the, you're the starter left guard. And I, I'm like, what? I was just like, <laughs> huh? Like, this, you know, it's Monday. I never played guard in my life. And, of course, you know, at that time they had Brian Young, who if anybody knows about the San Francisco 49ers back in the day, coming out of Notre Dame, was an absolute monster. And I was a big 49ers fan besides being a Bears fan. And I was like, what? I got it. You know, that's all I could think. I, you know, my first thought was like, I never played guard and I got to go against Brian Young. But uh, I helped my own and made it. I made guard my thing, you know, and, and it always helps playing against um, a legend like uh, Olin Krutz, man, who just Ooh. brought me along, taught me the game. And uh, I, lo- I learned a lot more about the game on the inside because you have to know a little bit more. Of, you know, of what's going on um, with the blitz, you know, um, blitz schemes, just a tackle you sometime on the island, just like, okay, I'm, I'm on this end probably about 90% of the time. When you're a guard, you, there's so many, so many combinations. You're working with the tackle, you're working with the, the center, uh, you're pulling. Um, so it's a lot more that I learned. And, you know, I always had the ability to pop back out 
to tackle when they needed me. So I just kind of it just kind of became my thing, and I ran with it. And it didn't matter what side, right, left. And that's why I tell kids now, you know, when I train them, like, hey, be comfortable coming out of your right hand and left hand stance. Um, just be comfortable doing it all on the offensive line. You know, I even started trying to learn the center position. You know, because I was oh, really? really, yeah, you know, at the end, like when uh, um, Harry Hestead came in, he started like, "Can you snap the ball?" So yeah, you know, hey, I'm trying to stay on this team, man. Uh, yeah, I'll snap this ball. Right. Um, what whatever it takes mentality, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, hey, had Steve, we had a question from our chat. We had a question from our chat. Our guy Mike Schweiss, he wanted to know guy that just always gave you a hard time trying to block it. So who was the hardest guy to block for you? Okay. I just answered this question yesterday. Some I just ran into a random guy. Funny. I was coming out of the bathroom. This guy was just like, he wasn't even paying attention. And I like almost ran into him. He's like, whoa. And I said, whoa. And he said, hey, he's like, you, you play football? I was like, I said, like, yeah. You know, when people, you know, I go about life. I just kind of walk and, you know, I'm a big guy. And people probably assume, but if, if you actually come up and ask me, I'm going to talk to you, actually. I'm going to sit there and have a conversation. So this guy asked me who was my heart. He just went through a plethora of questions at that point. So that's the one that comes up. So I always get credit, like, in practice. I just go right to practice. The hardest guy I had to go against was Tommy Harris. I just always go right to that. But the actual okay. opponent, actual opponent, I would go Sean Rogers with the um, Detroit Lions. And – I never waver okay. on that. And I've went against a lot of people. And the reason for it is because, you know, in the NFL, I was always I always had a size advantage. I was 6'5", 340, you know, in the inside playing guard. I had tackle tight size with long arms. And I, I you know, when I moved to when I moved to guard, I, I felt like I was like overpowering people at times. You know, I, I had that athleticism as a tackle and I had the size of a guard. With the height and the, the long arms of the tackle, it, it was the right combination, and I felt like at times in the run game I can, I can overwhelm people. But Sean Rogers, he matched me in size, and he was a better athlete than me. So he would, you know, had the athleticism, and he would just, man, he would give me so much problems. And I remember he, I remember I, he's the only person that just really beat me down one game. Just, just did me in. I was just beat me up. And I remember all the recruits and giving Olin the credit. And I would, you know, talk about playing next to a, a legend. He, he just he shoots you straight. Like, get your shit together. Get, you know, you better get your oh, butt yeah. in that film. You didn't think, you, you know, and he's like, he kicked your butt. Like, I was like, I took that personal. And then I remember I came back the next game that's like had everything on him. One thing I knew, the guy took plays off. So I was going to I was going to get on his ass every play. But, um, you know. I got him the next game, but he came back, and you know, so it was from that point on, it was a battle, you know. So it's Sean Rogers, uh, came out of Texas, if anybody remember that guy. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, those were both some tough guys you named there, especially with uh, Harris there in practice. But you already mentioned Olin a couple times. I just wanted to touch on him a little bit more. What was Everybody says that he was vocal. I mean, what was it like playing besides a guy like that that just had that much energy and was no frills, uh, just really out there and wasn't afraid to speak his mind? Not not to fe- afraid to speak his mind on the field, off the field, out the building, 
out okay. to dinner. He, he just, you know, it, you know, I was glad to call him my friend, but it was like you had to kind of know how to maneuver around Olin. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta know how when not to take things personal and he'll say something just out of this world. And, and you know, you knew when to take his criticism and him trying to get you better, you know. Um, unique individual, man, uh, smart individual. Um, he he just he just commanded so much, man, but he brought it. You know what I mean? The guy had his house was like right outside of Hallis Hall's complex. Like, so when you leave the, the business, so Hallis Hall is like in this big corporate plaza as you go winding through right. all these Abbott and all these places, and then the back is Hallis Hall. So when you leave that little, you know, corporate park, there's houses. And Olin had a house like right outside. Like he did that on purpose so he could stay there late, get there, and he wouldn't have to drive. I'm just like, wow. I mean, that's that was his. He meant to do that so he could spend as much time as he wanted at the at the team facility. He'll be the first one to get there and the last one to leave. And guess what? I didn't have that long to drive. He put in the work. I mean, the guy was deadlifting, you know, you know, hey, that didn't work for everybody, deadlifting on a Friday when you got a Sunday game, but that was what he needed. He wasn't always the biggest guy, but he knew he needed that extra oomph of a deadlift on a Friday to get himself right. So deadlift might not be your thing, but what is it that you need to do to make sure you had yourself right? You know, know what you need to be as good as you need to be come Sunday. And he did that consistently. And I can say, hey, I didn't do all that stuff. I, you know, I look back at my career like, man, I should have did X, Y, and Z a little bit better. I see what Olin's talking about. And that's why he had the success. You know what I mean? That's why he's a Hall of Fame caliber player and a Bears legend. And and he just commanded it, man. He 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 walked the walk. He'll beat your butt. If you wanted to get, you know, obviously you, you, you some of these stories, man. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna. You know the one. You know the one with Fred Miller. But there was some oh, other yeah. occasions where that. You know, I'm gonna keep those locked up a secret, man. But he he had to check a couple cats. He had to check. Right. He checked some cats. He 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 ain't had no problem doing that. You know, um, but uh, you respected him because he brought it, man. And he ran that building, man. Nobody. I mean, I remember one time we working out. Jerry Angelo comes walking through. He's like, "Hey, I need my my you know he was I need my extension." This year. I'm like, "What?" Uh, you know, I'm like yelling at Jerry Angelo. Like, I, I need one to you know. I was just like, I'm trying to get cut. I ain't trying to do nothing. He he's like, "Hey, man, get my extension. You better pay me," because he's balling at that point. And guess what? He got paid. You know what I mean? So he was that type of guy, man. Um, and everybody respected him. He had a little fear factor, but you know, everybody respected Olin, man. And uh. If you listening to him now as he's on other platforms, you you hear the knowledge, man. That's the knowledge we heard all, oh, all when we were playing, man. We got a, another quick question here from the chat. What was Rex like? What was he like playing with him? Did you guys believe in him as a team? Our guy, Fat Mike, personally did not as a fan. Oh, what was your thoughts uh, on Rex, man? Well, right, man, Rex had – Rex Rex came in with that 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 talent he had in Florida to throw the ball. You know, uh, there was a couple occasions I think that injuries kind of you know he had obviously the Super Bowl season 
he was on pace early in that season on the MVP pace. And then all of a sudden things kind of slowed down for him as far as, you know, how good he was that year. But prior to that, it was times like Rex's rookie year. He came in, I think he came in, um, finally got his opportunity because it was Cordell Stewart and Chris Chandler. And it was in the Kansas yep. City game. We were in Arrowhead and we were struggling. And Cordell and I think uh I don't know who started that. I think Rex started that game off and we were on we were on fire. And then Rex got hurt. And then I think he broke his wrist or something, like fell wrong. And then, you know, the rails came yep. off and we, you know, playing in Arrowhead was another that was another story. Um, and then the following year, Rex comes back. He's balling for us. We had confidence, like, man, we got this guy behind us. He could throw this ball. We're in Minnesota. We're in Minnesota. They run some kind of bootleg, and he run. He takes off and runs with the ball, and he, you know, he, t- you know, I think it was his ACL. He tore his ACL, and, and you know, and those are the injuries that kind of derailed his progression at that point. Obviously, he came back to be a starter, but we, he, Rex had injuries early on man i know he had the height and and all that but he he had that talent man he wasn't the most vocal leader either you know i mean he wasn't a guy he just kind of he just kind of just just was very silent didn't really hang out with the guys afterwards it was that one of those guys where he would um you know you'll see him in the facilities and after that you wouldn't see him you'll see him at the games you'll see him at practice and you wouldn't see him. I, you know, maybe some other guys like Todd Johnson, maybe they were cool with him, but we wouldn't see much of Rex Grossman, man. And right now he's retired. Okay. Do you even know where Rex Grossman is right now? That dude is – No, he's very under the radar. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah, the dude's in the witness protection program. So, yeah, he, he wants to be like that. So, But, no, nah, Rex was a good guy, man, uh, not the – you know, as a quarterback, you like to, you know, that guy could be a leader. But um, I think, you know, one thing, he takes a bad rap, man. Those injuries, I think, really could derail what he could have possibly been, been you know. And, uh, right. you know, it was three significant injuries. You know, you talk about those. And then um, I forget um, the one that Cal Orton, I think it was in preseason, and Cal Orton had to start the season off for us. And then Rex came back against Atlanta that game and, he missed a portion of that season. So you're talking about three injuries early on in his career. You know, obviously he ended up going having a good backup career, but you know, who knows? You know, take injuries away. You know, who knows? Oh, absolutely. Well, Steve, we want to say thank you again for joining us here. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to sit down with Vince and myself. It was great having you on. Lots of knowledge. We definitely appreciate it and we'd love to have you back on in the future man oh yeah absolutely man i'm sure i'm sure it's gonna be a lot of bears talk it's gonna be an intriguing season coming up and uh hey vince man my boy vince i ain't seen him since the chicago rush days man what's going on buddy <laughs> glad to reach you glad to reach you out you reached out to me man absolutely man oh yeah absolutely hit me up man anything man anytime guys all right, Steve. Thank you so again, much, Steve. We appreciate no. it. Take care. All right. Man, what a guest. So much Man, knowledge. Great. Especially, especially that. You know, just, old... Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, you know, you, you hear him talk, and a lot of these guys, you, 
you get all you can think about is when they played and how great of a player they were and different things. But man, you just really get caught up in you know the football IQ and the the story from you know looking back at a guy like Owen Crutes and learning how to play by playing next to him and lining up next to him all the time. You know, and you just so many things that you would think that would come to mind first from a player. And it's the IQ, it's the how to get better, how to, you know, he talks about, okay, look, I got my ass handed to me by Sean Rogers, but you know what? I was in the room looking at film till I realized, you know what? He takes plays off and I can get him the next time. And then coming back and getting right. him the next time, especially some of the lines, you're playing them twice a year. You know, it's just that, that, that pride in you like, oh, I want to be better than the guy across from me. And I think today's athlete, and I don't mean to just blanketly offend anybody, but I just feel like today's athlete and maybe today's generation more than just athletes, there's really, you lose that sense of, well, I just want to be better than the guy across from me just to say I'm better, just to know that inside, know that I'm better than the guy I line up against. And I think that's why, you know, some people say it's soft. Some people say different things about today's NFL. I just think players are just worried about so many more things than just being better than the guy they're going against. Oh, I definitely see that. I see both sides of that. I mean, obviously, as the game evolves and changes, uh, players do evolve. But I think you're right. There isn't as much of a sense of I need to be my best self. I need to beat that guy across from me every down, every play. Uh, that's yeah. And it's as time goes on, as things change, we see players evolve. You see it a lot in other leagues, not so much football, but like the NBA with the way the defense is today and everything compared to the late 90s, early 2000s. But we can talk about that more a little bit later here. Uh, real quick, guys, we're going to take a quick break and hear one quick word from our sponsor, John Darren, over at the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren All right, guys, that was a quick word from our team over, our sponsor over at the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. If you guys are looking for a home in the Chicago land area, definitely reach out to them. So Vince, we had a lot of takes there with Steve about the Bears. There's just been so much going on in the Chicago sports world here the last couple days. Obviously, uh, yesterday with all the splash moves the Bulls were making and everything, there was a lot of excitement Hell going yeah. on over the last 24 hours. So, uh, you you want to start getting into that a little bit? You wanna you wanna introduce our guest, our next guest we got coming? Man, I would love to. 
I would love to. I've been waiting since I heard the trade announced. I've been waiting for this moment right here. I love Steve to death. Love him, known him a long time. I could not wait to get to this moment right here. I'm pleased to welcome David Schuster to our show. Evening, guys. How, how you doing, Vince and Andrew? What's up, David? Doing well. How about yourself, David? Doing great. It's a Friday night, man. <laughs> Who can complain? Nothing better. <laughs> Friday night talking bulls. There's nothing better than that. Before I know I'm going to get hooked and I'm going to forget stuff. So before we do, I'm super excited. But before we do, I got to ask you, kind of shift gears real quick. Eloy, they announced Eloy's out five months. What do the Sox do to replace somebody who was supposed to be one of the centerpieces to this championship run that they were supposed to be making this year? Well, the easy answer is they scramble, to be perfectly honest with you. And and what they're going to initially do is they're going to put Andrew Vaughn out in left field. He played there apparently earlier today. <laughs> I saw a tweet by um, Scott Merkin of MLB.com, and I'm sure you guys have talked to him. He said he caught a fly ball. So at least that's a good start, you know? <laughs> yeah, starting in the right direction. Yeah, but honestly, guys, I'm a little fearful. Obviously, that's not his position of choice. It's not his position from, you know, any kind of history. And you all also fear, you know, take a look. When you put guys out in in certain positions, I mean, even you go back to uh, Kyle Schwarber, the first time he played left field, look what happened to him. Uh, You know, he he screwed Mm -hmm. himself up in that game. I think it was in Houston, if I remember correctly. And, you know, he was out until the World Series. Now, maybe that's a good omen. Who knows? Maybe Eloy will come back a few days before the World Series and then be, you know, magnificent in, in the postseason. But, you know, he's not really a good defensive outfielder. It was a mistake for him to go for that ball in that situation, although he, he's showing his competitiveness. But it was a bigger mistake to even out have him out there in the first place, specifically in a preseason game. And, and they suffer the consequences, and we'll see what happens. But Andrew Vaughn is going to get, at least for now, the lion's share. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the White Sox look outside the organization. There's not much to choose from, but I think they might well look outside. Maybe Cespedes is that guy that they go for, but time will tell. David, why do you think it is that they refuse to, you know, the easy answer, and maybe it's because of Andrew's Vaughn bat, I don't know, but it seemed like the easiest answer was to say, okay, well, Eloy's going to, we're going to shift him into our DH. That's going to be his role. Why do you think they were so hesitant to do that and just forced to just forcibly keep sending him out to left field? Well, honestly, it's the makeup of the roster. Um, if you were going to have him be the DH, what are you going to do with Andrew Vaughn? Andrew Vaughn's just too good of a bat to go back down to the minors. He's a major league bat, and, and knock on wood, him playing left field will not stunt his growth at, at the plate. So, you know, they have a bunch of DHs on their team. You know, and, and ultimately, Andrew Vaughn will be the White Sox first baseman for probably many years to come. But for right now, they have the reigning MVP on their roster also in Jose Abreu. So it just broke the way it did. The ideal situation would have been to have Eloy Jimenez hopefully not get hurt, play left field more often than not, but get him out of the game in the sixth inning, seventh inning when they should have the lead and have a bunch of replacements or a defensive replacement there. But unfortunately, this is what happened, and and they're just going to have to deal with it going forward. Very unfortunate for something like that to happen in spring training game. I mean, you touched on it a little bit. He shouldn't have even been going for that ball. And you talk about five, six-month injury, that could – really be detrimental going 
uh, especially early on here for the Sox. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, honestly, guys, you know, they say five to six months. I'm not counting on him at all this year. That's a pretty serious injury. When you tear a tendon in your chest, you know, it doesn't heal. It's not just a little shaving cut. That's a pretty major thing. He's going to have surgery. I think he's going to have a second opinion, but he'll have the surgery. And uh, I'm not counting on him at all, to be honest with you. And knock on wood, they stay away. Listen, injuries is the big thing to always overcome for any team that's going for a championship in any sport. It, it's it's since the day of dawn, that's what, you know, usually knocks out teams going for championships. Absolutely. So there's been a lot of news shifting gears a little bit, David. There's been a lot of news, obviously, with the trade deadline and the Bulls. What do you make of the trades that the Bulls made here at the deadline? Are you happy with the moves they made? Well, I'm not an investor in the team, so I don't have any financial stakes. So let's start right there. But yeah, as a fan... Two thumbs up, guys. I mean, they got an all-star center who I still think his best years are still in front of him. When you have a chance to do that, man, you jump on it. Um, Their roster definitely got better. Now, will it get better right off the bat? I don't know, to be honest with you, because they have nine of their next 10 games on the road. That's pretty daunting. Uh, You know, if they had stayed the way they were, I'd say they'd probably lose eight or nine of those road games, honestly, you know, because the Bulls were going backwards I think Arturis Karnishevis and maybe even more so Billy Donovan took a look at what was really going on, not only on the court, but in the locker room. You could see the sort of the mental defeat, you know, defeating attitude that was starting to pervade the roster. And you got to remember this. The Bulls had not beaten a team with a winning record in two months. That's a long time, guys. And, uh, you know, they only had games against teams that had 500 or better records four games so far this season and two of them were against uh let's see two of them were against well one of them was against indiana two of them were against dallas which were barely over 500 at that time they hadn't beaten a good team all season so you know the brass and more so billy donovan knew this team just wasn't good enough they had to shake it up and that's exactly what they did five players off their roster None of them really consequential. They got rid of both juniors, Otto Porter Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr. No real big deal. Wendell Carter Jr., as much as I like him personally, not good enough. Just not good enough for an NBA center. Otto Porter Jr. was just a thief stealing money from the Bulls uh, and every team he's played for previous. Um, Daniel Gafford, a good defensive player, but very limited. Chandler Hutchinson, I don't know what the deal is with him. You know, all of a sudden now he's healthy enough to play. So who knows? There there might have been a soap opera story going on with him. And I'm trying to think who the last player even was. Uh, oh, yeah, Lou Cornette. That's why I'm, I forgot him because he's a forgettable player. Oh, yeah. so, they, so they really gave up nothing, guys. But most important, well, really what they gave up was two first-round picks. But hopefully they'll be good enough that they can overcome that. They should have some money. They need a point guard going forward. But the most importantly – they got an all-star center, and Vucevic is really good. I mean, if you've seen him in person yourself, you know that to be true. 25 and 12 points and rebounds. He led Orlando in just about every category that's imaginable. It was a really, really good day for the Bulls yesterday. Oh, absolutely. David, we had a question. 
through the chat from uh, our guy Alan. He wanted to know: Do you touch on a little bit with the point guard? Do you think that Jeff Teague might be a guy that Bulls target after he's cut? Uh, well, I mean, I suppose they could take a look at him. Um, I really don't think the Bulls are going to uh, take care of their point guard situation until probably next year. Um, the fact that they didn't do anything here at the deadline, they got three players who are quote unquote point guards on their roster. Still Sandoransky is more than serviceable. Although I consider him really a backup player, Kobe white from the moment I've seen him, he's not a point guard. And I'm a real traditionalist when it comes to, the, to a point guard. I think you have to, you know, make everybody else on the court better, including, you know, including yourself. I mean, you can score. That's what point guards now do in the NBA. But your first and foremost, at least in my estimation, is to make everybody better around you. And I don't think he really does that. Ryan Archie Diacono, you know, he's a serviceable player also, but he's not the answer in the long run. Will they try and work something out for Alonzo Ball in the offseason? That's possible. Uh, Kyle Lowry is, is a really long shot. Or or maybe they look, you know, I don't know. They look at, They look elsewhere. But right now, that's the biggest need going forward. They need a point guard. Do you think Lowry Markkinen is gone after this season? I think, well, let's, let, you know, honestly, the, the, <laughs> the political answer to that is let's see what he does for the next 29 games. I mean, he's obviously not only playing for his spot on the Bulls, but he's playing for a contract from somebody else. Um, it's a 50-50 answer to that question. I'm going to say probably he will be gone. Because if they need the money to go and sign somebody like Alonzo Ball or somebody else, you know, that, that's going to be the money that maybe they, 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 that they don't have to spend, you know, on Lowry Barkin. So 50-50, but I think, yes, I think ultimately he might not be here. Okay. We heard some come, some work come through yesterday. You've, you've talked about Lonzo Ball here. It sounded like they were really, really interested in Lonzo um, I heard that there was a, or we, there was word that they were trying to package Laurie and Gary Temple and a draft pick for him, and they had traded the first round pick in the other trade. Um, if it's not Lonzo, and they, you know, this league is three stars. Who's that? Who's that next piece? You've got Zach, and you've got Vucevic, and Patrick Williams looks like a piece you can build around. Who's that next piece that realistically Bulls fans can watch for? Well, I mean, you mentioned Patrick Williams. He, he, I think, will be the third leg of that tripod going forward. Although, honestly, lately I've been disappointed. Yeah, I know he's the second youngest player in the NBA. I get all that. He's only 19 years old. But he's shown that he's capable of performing at this level. He's just got to be more aggressive. And unfortunately, his background is that he's not. I mean, you know, in his only year in college, and let's remember, he only played you know one year in college at Florida State. He was the youngest player on that roster, and he deferred to the older players there. And I think that's what he's really doing here in the NBA as well. But somebody's got to get a hold of him and say, listen, young man, you are a major part of this team and this franchise going forward. You are the present and the future. So, you know, Billy Donovan's got his work cut out to get this guy to be aggressive. But let's face it, we've seen what he can do. And his ceiling is way, way in front, you know, up above. And and hopefully he'll start doing that. They got to get another point guard. Um, and I do have faith in Karnishevis that maybe, just maybe, you know, he might find some draft. Listen, they got this kid coming over from Europe also. I don't know if he's going to be here on the roster next year. He's a 6'11 center that would probably be the backup to Vucevic. 
Although, you know, they picked up Mike Tice, or not Tice, what, what's T- Daniel Tice. I'm saying Tice. Mike Tice. Daniel Tice from mm-hmm. Boston yesterday. And he's not really that big, uh, you know, uh, as far as t- being tall. He's only 6'8", but he's like 6'8 wide as well. And he'll be a right. good defensive uh, backup center that will bring toughness to the Bulls roster. And the Bulls picked up some other players yesterday, too. Uh, they got Troy Brown. They picked him up in the three-way trade with Washington. He's only 21 years old, guys. You know, when he came out of college, there was a lot of promise for him, but he sort of languished on Washington's bench. But, he, you know, he's a good defensive mm-hmm. player. You know, he, he could handle the ball because he was a point guard in high school. So I like him. And Javante Green, they also got uh, picked up from Boston along with Tice. And, you know, he's a guy who also languished on the bench there. I think he's going to be fighting Denzel uh, Valentine for minutes going forward. So not only was uh, Vucevic the biggest of the big prizes yesterday, but they got some other players who I think will help as well. Our guy Mike's asking here in the chat, is it a mistake that they kept Thad Young? Do you think it was a mistake for Billy Donovan to keep him around? No, um, no, I don't. And, and <laughs> hi, Mike. I, you know, I can't see you, but I know you're there somewhere. Um, anyway, uh, no, I don't. I think they're really going to try and make the playoffs. I think that is a goal of this franchise, not only for the franchise itself, but for a lot of the players that are still on this team. Zach Levine has never played in the postseason. I think they really want to get him that experience, even if it's one game, which it might be just one game in the play-in, if you will. Um but no, Thad Young will help them. And then he's potentially still under contract for next season as well, unless they want to use his money, you know, to try and garner something else. So no, I don't think it was a mistake at all to keep him. Okay. And- David, where do you see Aminu slotting in in this team? Is he just a throw-in piece or do they is he part of the future? Well, he's you know, he's a tough-minded player also who, who has seen postseason action, and that's um that's invaluable for a team that really doesn't have that many guys on the roster who have seen postseason action. The two guys from Boston are the, really the two players who have seen playoff action previously. I think basically he is a throw-in player. He's a six-eight. Uh, he's a tough player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's not that many minutes at the power forward position, and that's what his position is. So for right now, he's rounding out the roster. I don't see him getting that many minutes on the court, but let's just wait and see. David, we saw you know, we're talking there going forward and the tough schedule they have. You know, there a lot of people I like talk about how they're just a few games forth. Where where do you at the end of the year, where do you see this team winding up? Is it a play in game? They're fighting for the playoffs? Are they you know, a fourth or fifth seed that actually gets in and doesn't have to worry about that? No, I think they're going to be a play-in team. And, and honestly, I, the story that I'm sort of painting right now, it's a long ways off, is they, they probably are the number 10 team. I think they got, the roster got better, guys. But again, nine of the next 10 games are on the road. And there's going to be very little practice time over these next three weeks for these guys to get adjusted to each other. That's a major handicap when you all of a sudden get five new players thrown on your roster to try and work themselves in to the chemistry in the mix here. So nine of 10 on the road, no practice time. That's going to really hurt them. Um, Eventually, I think this, you know, like I said, I think this roster will be better in the long run by far, but it's a major hurdle to overcome over these next three weeks. 
So, yeah, I do see them maybe sneaking in as the number 10 team, and I can see them playing the New York Knicks against Tom Thibodeau in that one play-in game at Madison Square Garden. That actually would be a pretty interesting game. Um, right. I don't know if I'd want to really want to see that, but, yeah, it would be an interesting game. See uh, Derek Rose and that squad play Chicago for that play-in game. That would be interesting to see. Yeah, Taj, too. That's right. Uh, our guy so Mike. David, wants if you, to know, if you got one... No, go ahead, Tarbo. Our guy Mike here wants to know who you have for the tournament, Dave. Uh, talking about the NCAA, of course. Yeah. Um, the NCAA tournament. You know what? Gonzaga hasn't lost this season. I don't see them losing. I mean, you know, Illinois flopped out, obviously. Um, I, I, I hope Loyola makes it to the Final Four. I don't see them winning the whole thing. Although maybe, maybe Sister Jean. Has a couple more rabbit's feet uh, up her, you know, up her alley. Um, but Gonzaga has been undefeated all season, and there's, you know, it's a real rarity for somebody to go through a season undefeated. I think Indiana was the last team to do it. So yeah, I got Gonzaga still winning it. Okay. Naturally, I'm gonna say I would like to see Loyola win it. Just root, being a homer, rooting for that last Illinois team. Now that the Illini are out of it, but I, I think you're right. I don't. I'm all in on Houston. Uh, you know, Illinois would have had to have defeated Houston to get to the Final Four. Now, obviously, it, it, Loyola will probably at some point have to face them, I guess, you know, to get to the Final Four. That could definitely be an yeah. interesting matchup. Well, like you, you touched on Sister Jean there a little bit. That's just incredible uh, for her to be able to be in attendance there and see her team win, even if it was against the Illini. So. I'm glad they made that work for her, and I, I'm i excited to see what Loyola does here. I think it's pretty incredible that she's still on earth at 101 years old. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I know I'm not going to make it that far. <laughs> Let alone out there courtside cheering her team on in this situation. So yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Well, David, we appreciate you coming on with us. We always love having you. you. You know, you got great takes on so many different sports. I'm sure we'll have you on again and can't wait for to have you back. Happy to help you guys. Anytime you need me, I'm, I'm there for you. Anytime. Thanks, David. We appreciate Thanks, you. David. Good night. Take care. Have a great weekend, guys. You as well. Bye-bye. You too. Man, wow. a, lot of, a lot of great info there. Uh, you know, a lot to digest there. Uh you know, I, I was, I guess I get too excited after the trade was thinking, man, we got a four or five seed team and maybe we, maybe we even run up there and give these top three teams in the East some trouble. And my guy David comes on here and talks about a top 10 team. So I don't know, maybe we'll, you know, if nothing else, I think they're, they're definitely building in the right direction. They are definitely building in the right direction, but I do have to agree. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, as as glamorous as everyone thinks it will be right away. Obviously, it's going to take some time to build that chemistry. That's natural. And again, David touched on just this set of away games here down the stretch. That's it's going to be tough, but the chemistry will get there. Are are we going to instantly be up in the top of playoff contention? No, but 
I, I could see that play-in game situation happening, and I think it'd be a very interesting game to see Derrick Rose playing the current Bulls, to see, obviously, Thibs there as well. It what a, what a matchup that would be. So, who knows? We'll yeah, see Bulls fans are going to see Derrick Rose get the Bulls out of the playoffs again. Just in a different jersey this time. Oh, you know, I I wasn't a fan of the Bulls moving on from Rose, but we don't need to go back that far. I mean, <laughs> no, you're bygones, right. Be, let bygones be bygones at that point. Absolutely. And I'm, you're absolutely right. And on that note, let's take a second here. We're going to take a quick break and give you a word from our sponsor from Nick and Ivory Brewing. Hello. This is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. And that was a quick word from our guys over at Nick and Ivy. If you're in the area, make sure you stop out and check out their tap list. They've got the live music going every weekend. Great atmosphere. Be sure to stop if you're out in that area. Yes, absolutely. They So many great, so many good choices. Like you said, you got the live music, great atmosphere. Uh, guaranteed a great time. So... Obviously, we talked a lot of Bulls here over the last few minutes. It was great having Dave on with us. I mean, just what a great insight that was, especially a uh, little, little bit more information on the players like Javante Green, a guy that, you know, wasn't making the headlines. He was obviously part of the trade, but, you know, obviously uh, Vucevic dominated the news yesterday as expected. I mean, we went and pulled in a star center. I would feel comfortable saying he's a star. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think the, the one thing that does concern me with that move is, is his age. I mean, he's not old, but he's not young and you've only really got a couple years here with him before he, he's probably in his prime right now. I think it's fair to say. So you've only got a couple yeah, seasons. I mean, he, statistically he's having his, his best year of his career. You know, a lot of people are concerned about be, him being 30 and, you know, does that make it a short window? I mean, you don't go out and trade for a guy like that if you're not trying to win a championship in the next four years anyways. So, you know, it, for him being, you know, in five, six, seven years, I mean, you're hoping that this trade gets you in the right direction, that you're competing for championships well before then anyways. That, that is a fair point. I just think when when it comes to giving up the two firsts, that's a hard pill for some people to swallow, no matter what talent you're bringing in. But yeah. at the Go end ahead. of the day, if 
at the end of the day, if your team is that much better because you brought this guy in and we needed it, I mean, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. wasn't the answer in the center that in the paint that we needed. He just simply wasn't. You know, it's a few things. Um, you know, we've heard AK talk about, if nothing else, his number one priority is making Chicago a destination that free agents want to go to. The players around the league say, I want to be a bull. I want to be part of that locker room. I want to be part of that uh, that culture. I want to win. We're going to compete every night. We're going to win a lot of games. Um, you know, maybe that makes somebody come here that nobody's thinking about. Maybe Kawhi opts out. Maybe Kawhi, it, the Clippers got all sorts of problems. They just traded Lou Williams and two future picks for Rajon Rondo. Um, you know, I mean, so you never know. Right. Any, there's a lot of guys that could opt out or, you know, just choose not to go back to their teams this offseason. But the thing is, you get better. Uh, you compete. Those draft picks, you're gonna, you're probably going to pick 20th this year. And you're talking about another pick in 2023 because – in the NBA, you can't trade first rounds in back-to-back years, which is the dumbest rule I ever heard. But you you can't trade the the back-to-back first-round pick. So you're worried about a first-round pick in 2023. Well, hopefully the moves you just made to give up that pick and the moves you make in free agency and next year going forward, you're competing for a championship or at least one of the top two teams in the East, and that pick's not going to matter anyways. I do understand your logic behind that. I would feel a whole lot better about the situation if we did have a true point guard on our roster that could distribute the ball. Obviously, we touched on Lonzo Ball earlier. Obviously, we couldn't make that happen. There's always a chance that that happens in the offseason. I I think one way or another, I think he, no matter what, Lonzo Ball is a bull next year. There's been reports that say that he wants to come to Chicago. He likes everything the Bulls have going. The Bulls clearly want him. They've been trying to trade for him, you know, all year. They liked him when he was drafted by the Lakers. They liked him. I just, I think AK has proven that he goes and gets his guy. I don't see the way they don't have him. And our guy Tyler here is saying you can't trade back-to-back picks because of what the Nets did. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I get why they do it, but at the end of the day, if they're my picks, I should be able to trade my picks whenever I want. That's just like the NFL. You can only trade three first-round draft picks. Oh, but on draft day, I could trade four. Well, if they're my draft picks, I should be able to trade them whenever I want. Yeah. But And then I guess transitioning a little bit, that kind of brings up a good point too, Vince. Is any player worth that many draft picks in the NFL? Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the next – you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence, if he's what he's supposed to be. Um, you know, I mean, the fo- football's quarterbacks. You got to have a quarterback. You, you know, we've been harping on it for as long as our show's been going here. And, uh, you know, it just – if the Bears are in that position because they don't have one. So, you know, if it was to give get a guy like Deshaun Watson, I'd give up four first-round picks. He's, the Rams haven't picked first in like six years because they keep trading them. And – you know, the Saints and different teams that are over the cap, they just find a way to keep kicking the bucket down the road, and I'll deal with it then. That's what good GMs and good coaches do. I guess back to the NBA real quick, though. The amount of picks that Oklahoma City has over – Absolutely mind-blowing. I think they have 17 firsts and 17 second-round picks. They have 37 uh, draft picks over the next three drafts. So I think it's three drafts or f- four drafts, something like, but it's 37 picks. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, 
You talk about rebuilding a team from the ground up. That puts a whole new meaning behind it. But then, on the other hand, you're not going to have any veteran leadership on a team if if you're going out and bringing in 16 guys in a season that are all rookies. I mean, as as ridiculous as that number sounds, do you think that do you think that's the answer uh, in today's NBA, or is that too much of a good thing? I just, you know what? At some point, it becomes just picks. You know, 17 second round draft picks. What are you going to get with 17 second round draft picks? Teams are lucky to hit on one second round draft pick, let alone three and four and five in certain drafts. You know what? Obviously, the the plan will be to move picks. I just, I think Oklahoma City, they they gave it their best. I think they rode it out as long as they could till the wheels fell off, and they're going to go back to being a small market team that doesn't pay anybody. And they're, I don't, I don't think they're ever going to compete again, because who's going to want to go there? If you're a legitimate star in the NBA, is that where you want to go? Where you're like, well, I can go play with myself in Oklahoma City. Oh, LA's calling. I can go play there with like eight other guys that are great. You do bring up a good point, and I think that moving forward, they are going to return to being a small. I mean, they've always been somewhat a smaller market team. They did attract some good players uh, here in years past, but all those guys have moved on. And right. it's you talk with the Bulls and them wanting to develop that uh, destination for free agents and get people to come on. It's it's got to be difficult to <laughs> got our guy Mike in the chat here trying to be funny. Uh, it's going to be difficult to make a destination like Chicago really appealing without that second piece. And thankfully, I think we just did it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if nothing more, you've gotten the second piece. And David spoke on it too. You know, people around the league, they speak really highly of, of this kid, Patrick Williams. Hopefully he grows he grows into that third spot. You know, if they're able to go get Alonzo Ball, you know, Alonzo's not a superstar, but he's a guy, he's going to go out, he's going to play good defense, he's going to hit a bunch of threes for you, and he's a pure playmaker. He's looking to set up his teammates before himself. And right now the Bulls don't have that. You know, we have our little chat that we watch, we talk, and sometimes we're watching games. And how many games have we seen the Bulls? They should have closed out games. And instead, they're letting teams back in. And now we next thing we know, they're losing because they don't have anybody to control the ball. Even Zach. Zach's great. Zach's one of the best players in the NBA, especially this year. But how many times have we seen him in, in late in the game have the ball and give it up? He either forces a shot or tries to make a pass that he has no business making. Um, you know, hopefully we don't see as much of that. You can kind of hide the point guard thing because Zach can play pick and pop with Vucevic. They're going to roll the, you know, the pick and roll. They're going to play off that and they'll play really well together. So you can hide it. You know, AK, they asked about the point guard thing and he said, you know what? Point guard is whoever brings the ball up the court. LeBron James has made a career of it. He's a small forward, but he brings the ball up the court. All of a sudden he's a point guard. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has been a small forward. Now he's bringing the ball. He's a point guard. Uh, Jokic, who let me just stand on my soapbox and say I, he should be the MVP. It shouldn't have taken injuries to other guys for him to be the MVP, but I, I think he's the MVP of the NBA. But you see a guy like him, he brings the ball up the court. And then you look at a team like Milwaukee, who everybody in the NBA would love to have Giannis on their team. Well, you see Milwaukee doesn't have that that point guard to handle the ball in late games and in the playoffs, and it's exposed Giannis for his flaws and his where his limits are, and that's what, what made them go make that trade for Drew Holiday in the offseason. You know, I just think that every team, you got to have that guy that when nothing else, they can handle the ball. 
No, I think you're right 100%. And that's that's the one step that the Bulls have to make here in the offseason or in the draft is realistically going after a guy that's able to distribute definitively. Our guy Tyler here in the chat saying, uh, as of today, Jokic is plus 500 for the MVP. Again, he's – I'm pretty sure that's a – I'm pretty sure that's a bet Tyler made a long time ago before this season started at, at plus 500 for the MVP. And it's a bet I would take. I would have taken it a couple months ago, honestly. I think Jokic is much better than – oh, I'm sorry. Jokic is now at minus 110, so now yeah. he's a lock. Well, yeah, because everybody got hurt. But it shouldn't have taken everybody getting hurt. And I think I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a part of being in a market like Denver is he doesn't get the attention as much on the national stage as some of these other guys do. Right. And, you know, Denver hasn't had the year that they thought they were going to have. And, you know, that's part of the reason they went out and got a guy like Aaron Gordon, you know, and it, it cost them some some big pieces that. They decided, you know, getting that front court help was was the most important. And, you know, it gives them, you know, you have a front court of Jokic and Aaron Gordon, and now Michael Porter Jr. can slide back to small forward instead of power forward. I just I just think that what he does on the floor, from shooting to defense to rebounds to blocks to steals, passes, I mean, you know, he he's just I think I think eight point nine or nine point one assists he's averaging. Other than that, he's averaging a triple oh, yeah. double as a center. I mean, that's, you know, but it is what it is. The guys that, you know, the LeBrons and the Hardens and everybody like that always run away with the MVP votes. Our our guy Allen here in the chat saying every time he thinks about betting on a guy, they get hurt. It has. It's been dominoes. You know, you look at the MVP and it was Embiid hurt. Then it was, okay, now it's LeBron's MVP because uh, Embiid got hurt. LeBron gets hurt. Then it's, okay, James Harden. Now James Harden got hurt. He didn't play yesterday. So there's just, you know, we'll see if, if Harden comes back and he's not out too long, he could run away with it. I, will they give it to a center? I don't know. It, especially Jokic. Some of those guys, they they just look at certain names and those names, it's like, you know, well, it's got to be one of the popular names and one of the hot names for it to be MVP. So we'll see. Yeah, our guy Tyler here saying don't sleep on James Harden for MVP this year. I I wouldn't give James Harden the MVP just because of the situation that I've, I've said it before on this network, the situation, the way he got himself to yeah. Brooklyn, I don't agree with. And I don't think fans can forget that so easily. No, I just, you know, the, the whole thing was wrong. And I, I'm all for players trying to better their situations and, uh, you know, not wanting to be somewhere. He had been there a long time. Teams move on from players all the time. So why should players, but I just think there's a certain way to do it, especially all the stories that came out after where you heard all the power they had given. And we, like you said, we've talked about it on this show, you know, letting James Harden decide who gets, who gets fired and who stays with the team and different things. I mean, he's played great since he's been with the Nets, but I mean, at the end of the day, at some point, KD's going to come back. At some point, Kyrie's going to come back. I mean, you're playing on a right. team that your starting five has James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant on it, not to mention a very great shooter, knockdown shooter in Joe Harris that just gets a standard three-point line 
and hit threes. You know, it's really easy to get assists. Talking about how he gets 15 assists a game. Well, it's really easy when you drive the basket and kick it to a wide open Joe Harris and he knocks down a three. I mean, oh, absolutely. You know, so, you know I was talking that about Russell Westbrook too. Russell, Russell Westbrook has padded stats. How many times do we see in Washington where, or, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma City, where ball would go up and it'd be a rebound and the two centers or the center and a forward, they'd back up and they'd let Russ grab the rebound. That's not a real triple-double. That's not like it used to be. It's not, right. like, it's not like when David Robinson had a quadruple-double with 10 blocks. It's not that. It's just guys letting letting him do what he wants because there's nobody out there. Again, Oklahoma City, after everybody left, there was nobody there. It was just Russ. Right. So what were they going to do? Of course Russ is going to dictate. Of course. I mean, switching gears here a little bit before we close the show out, you want to touch on some baseball real quick, Vince? I know I we always did touch on baseball. We did talk about Eloy earlier a little bit. Uh, I want to know as a Cubs fan here, what are your thoughts on Arietta? How do you think that he's going to perform this year? And do you like what we've seen out of him so far? I mean, there's everyone's got to love what they've seen out of him so far. As far as this season, every every night before he pitches, thank God he's a starter, so we know what days he's going to start. I go to right. bed and I pray to the Lord above that the next day this continues and young Jake Garrietta shows up in old Jake Garrietta's body and he keeps throwing the hell out of the ball. Form, huh? Yeah, Cy Young form, no fastball anymore. It's fastball, I think they said it's down to 91. He's not throwing yeah, a body. He's making people miss. You know, people have made careers out of it. it. And I think the thing going for him is when he came here and he adjusted the way he approached hitters, he said, I'm going to do it my way. Well, if he's able oh, to yeah. then reimagine re himself, redesign himself, whatever word you want to use, to now with a 91-mile-hour fastball be able to locate and make miss bats and not just try to throw right. a pass somebody, actually, you know, the skill of pitching, not just a flamethrower, uh, hopefully he he keeps it going. And, it, you know, a guy like that, if you get a pitcher that you say, okay, well, we got a four or five here, and he pitches like a one or a two, in that a division that isn't anybody going to run away with the Central, he could easily help them make the playoffs or be something that they were not expecting. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think it's only only positive from here, especially with the money they paid him. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I'm excited to see what Jake brings to the table. I, I've always loved him. I was sad to see him go, and I'm happy to see him back, so – Absolutely. You know, we had a we had a question come through the chat from our guy Allen here at 1252. He wants to know why does the league constantly have opening day for the Cubs at home? Let it get warmer out before you bring everybody out for opening day. Allen, that's half the fun. Half the people at Wrigley Field aren't there to watch the game anyways. They're there to to drink beer and be in the bleachers and see how, you know, have a good time at party in the rooftops and everything else. They're not there for the game. So that's why they do it, because it's a sellout every year. Well, it was another great show. We had we got to thank our guests. We had Steve Edwards from former Chicago Bear and David Schuster, the Chicago legendary sports reporter, on with us. Um, we want to thank our sponsors, John Darren team, and Nick and Ivy. And you know, another great show. We appreciate everybody coming out and watching and having fun with us. And we can't wait to do it again next Friday. So for my co-host Andrew Tarbull, this is Turtle. Peace out, y'all.